Have you ever found yourself completely absorbed in an activity, losing track of time, and feeling like you're in a state of effortless concentration? Well, that, my friend, is the feeling of flow. You're listening to Mind Manners, hosted by licensed psychotherapist Albert Nguyen. Albert helps his clients overcome past trauma, change their mindset, and accelerate their personal and professional development. This podcast covers a wide range of mental health and self-development topics, with each episode offering an actionable step towards a better you. If you're on a wellness journey, keep listening. I want to thank those who are loyal listeners, and I want to welcome anyone who is new here today. This podcast is an effort to provide free education and insight around mental health and overall wellness. So make sure to follow this podcast and share this with others so that we can raise the collective awareness around these important topics. So let's get into flow and talk about this fascinating ability that we all have access to within ourselves. It's evident that where you place your focus and attention is where your energy and time is used. The more focus you give something, the more power that thing becomes. And this process that can lead to the state of flow. This can be a blessing and a curse, especially if our attention is constantly being hijacked by things such as social media, problems, and other distractions. Just as we can be in a state of flow doing mindless activities, we can also choose to be intentional and deliberate about training our focus to do things that are actually valuable and meaningful to us and things that can enhance our quality of life. So let's do a deeper dive on the concept of flow. Flow is a powerful state that can help us to be more productive, creative, and more fulfilled in our lives. When we are in a state of flow, we can tackle challenging tasks with ease, and we can tap into our creativity in a way that feels effortless. It's the most optimal state any of us can be in. So the question is, how can we find flow and cultivate it in our lives? Let me share a personal story that I hope will illustrate this concept a bit. When I first began my martial arts training as a child, I was far from talented. I was uncoordinated, stiff like a board. I was definitely not flexible or strong. All things you would experience when you are a beginner. But Over the years, the grueling hours of fortifying my body to encode sophisticated movements and adapting it in new ways pushed my awareness and focus in a direction that I only later appreciated. After years of training and being introduced to meditation in my later adolescent years, I realized I had these moments where I was fully immersed. My senses heightened and time appeared to be non-existent. It was in those spaces that I felt in tune with myself, 100% present and operating at my best. I learned about the flow state through the description of qi, which is a concept rooted in Chinese culture, essentially referring to the life force or energy that runs through all living things. It was clear that one can harness and leverage this to optimize how they live their lives. We've all experienced these moments at one point or another a lot of the times by accident. So we have an idea of what it feels like. Essentially, how you develop a flow in one space of your life, you can transfer this ability to other tasks. When that focus transforms into flow state, it can feel like you are so involved in your activity that time melts away. It's been said 
The best moments in our lives are not the passive, receptive, relaxing times. The best moments usually occur if a person's body or mind is stretched to its limit in a voluntary effort to accomplish something difficult and worthwhile. So what if I told you that you can do things to turn this switch on more intentionally, that you can be proactive in developing focus and ultimately get into the state of flow more often? Sounds great, right? So the big question is, how do we actually achieve flow? Before I get into the tactics and practices you can engage in to develop and harness flow, it's important to understand the key factors that contribute to flow to begin with. The first is clarity. Having a clear goal or intention for what you're doing. When you have a clear objective in mind, it's easier to focus your attention and stay engaged in the task at hand. The second factor is having a high level of skill or mastery in the activity. When we're engaged in something that we're actually good at, we're more likely to experience flow because it gives us a sense of personal control and agency over the task. We're able to tackle the task with ease and without getting bogged down by obstacles or challenges. So getting good at something is an important part of developing flow. With a level of mastery in a task, you bypass a lot of the newbie frustrations and growing pains that comes from being a beginner. The third factor may seem like a contradiction to the second one, but it is having a sense of challenge. To clarify further, flow occurs when we're engaged in an activity that is just challenging enough to stretch your abilities, but not so difficult that you become overwhelmed or frustrated. So with these factors in mind, how can we cultivate flow in our lives? Let's get into some action items that you can apply. Number one, Find activities that matters to you, something that has a deep, meaningful connection to your life goals. If you don't have clarity in your goals yet, then I suggest you spend some time identifying your goals so that you have something to aim at. It helps to actually care about what you are doing. You hear this often when it comes to motivation. It's about knowing your why, the purpose and reason for doing what you do. But just because you don't have a clear goal does not mean you can't work on flow. You can also start by finding activities that you enjoy, but one that challenges you in a way that feels manageable. And this might mean trying out a new hobby, taking on a new project, or even just setting aside time each day to work on a task that you find engaging. Another way to cultivate flow is perhaps the easiest, most obvious way. And I'm willing to bet that you don't do this because most of us don't. And that is to eliminate distractions and to deliberately set boundaries around your focus time and to create an environment that is conducive to focus to work. This might mean turning off your phone or email notifications, finding a quiet space to work, telling others that you are working and to not bother you within certain time frames, or using tools like noise cancellation headphones or productivity apps to help you stay on track. This is common sense, right? So why do we often waste our willpower trying to fight these dist distractions when we should just get rid of them or set things up so that we can use our willpower on the actual task itself versus the obstacles that gets in the way of our ability to focus? Are you guilty of having too many things going on at one time? Eating while working, doing multiple tasks on your computer. <sighs> yes, is that you? I thought so. Many of us do this and consider this multitasking. 
But multitasking is not efficient, and studies in neuroscience have shown that it actually interferes with the working memory and can potentially create long-term memory problems. Meaning, we can become more forgetful. Multitasking is essentially training ourselves to be distracted, to have short attention spans. Multitasking arises out of distraction itself. There's a quote that says, "Multitasking is the sign of a stressed and diseased mind simultaneously doing many things poorly." Quality work and quality thinking requires quiet focus. Now, while ADHD is a real issue, I believe many people misunderstand it by thinking of it mostly on one end of the continuum. Which is attentional control. We think that just because we can't sustain focus or attention, that all of a sudden we have ADHD. ADHD is not only a deficit of attention. Yet I often hear from teens and even adults these days that claim to have an undiagnosed ADHD when what many of what they describe is an issue of behavioral choices or lack thereof. Meaning that many of what people are struggling with when it comes to focus is due to lifestyle choices. Not to minimize the issue, whether or not it warrants a diagnosis of ADHD, the struggle with the executive functions to plan, self-regulate, and sustain attention and focus can absolutely make it challenging to function on a daily basis. There are a lot of reasons for this. Boredom is one of those reasons. It may not be the only one, but it's a strong one and a common one. So why are we so afraid and scared of boredom? I heard once from someone that they turn on the TV while they study because it makes it feel less of a chore. Not to demonize multitasking, there is absolutely a time and place for it, but we need to set clear boundaries for ourselves. Did you know that based on a study from UC Irvine, it takes an average about 20 to 25 minutes to get refocused and back to the tasks when you when we get distracted. We need to protect our bandwidth and train our brains, because our brain is wild and free. A large part of our brain functioning is outside of our control. It's been said that the average person has about sixty thousand to seventy thousand thoughts per day. What's even more disturbing is that it's been claimed that eighty percent of those thoughts are negative thoughts. Whether these numbers are accurate or not, it's pointing us towards the idea. That the human brain is by default distracted; it likes to wander, and it is negatively biased. Add to that with external stimuli like smartphones, noises, and other outside distractions, we have the perfect storm for being distracted all the time. So, knowing that your brain doesn't always have your best interest in mind, it's important to develop enough self-awareness to set clear boundaries with your brain's natural tendencies. To shift from wandering and distracted to focus and attention. Here's another thing too that I really want to emphasize, and that's rest and recovery. If you work hard, you need to rest even harder to recover and come back stronger. Look, I definitely value hard work and the hustle mentality, and I respect it. But I think many of us do it wrong. We do it as a marathon. Where we sit for two, three, four, or even more hours without breaks, as if this helps us be more productive. I don't know where this way of thinking and culture came from, but guys, we need to stop. Being busy does not equate to being productive. I've worked with a lot of high performers in my life. I consider myself a high performer as well. 
And I can tell you right now, the most productive, they work in short bursts while others are working long hours, multitasking, task switching for long hours and feel busy, but don't necessarily get a lot done or are efficient at all. Have you ever sat for hours and hours and not get much done or have a long time frame to complete a project and you find yourself procrastinating? Spending a lot of time on something doesn't mean quality or efficiency. I remember when I was in college studying psychology, my professor shared a study tip based on a research and that stuck with me ever since. He suggested to me and my class to do shorter study sessions with more frequent breaks as opposed to long sessions. In fact, there are a lot of studies now backing this up. Studies that found taking intentional, much needed short micro breaks increases productivity with shorter work times. I did this for the longest time through college and using techniques such as the Pomodoro method, where I would do 25 minutes on and five minutes off or 60 minutes on and 10 to 15 minutes off. Meaning, for example, if I was doing a large project or studying for a big exam, I would focus and study for 60 minutes with a timer on. And once the timer is up, I would take a 10 to 15 minute break, also timed. A break means getting up and moving away from the work itself. I was often in the library. So what I did was walk and pick up a random book that looked interesting and read a passage from the book before returning to my study session. I called this my mindful break. And after that, I would just repeat the cycle. I did this for the longest time and it helped tremendously with my productivity levels. I've also done the long marathon sessions and I can tell you the difference is huge. It's important to incorporate micro breaks into your hard work. It's like a workout. The most effective workouts are broken down into rep ranges, sets, and rest times. The brain operates the same way. So instead of those long marathon sessions of work, trade it for shorter, hard sprints and frequent breaks. Think of this like a hit workout for the brain. Of course, you will have marathon sessions once in a while. And just like multitasking, there's a time and place for them. But don't make it a habit. And if you do marathon sessions, still incorporate micro breaks. Every ultra marathon runner takes breaks. So the key here is break down the long sessions and schedule in those short breaks and you will find that you are more productive if you can stick with this. Now, speaking about rest and recovery, it's also important to actually take some time off. So like how you would have those occasional marathon sessions, have a marathon session for your rest and recovery once in a while. I mean, take a vacation or a trip or go be with nature. Give yourself time to recharge, reset, and relax. This slowdown time is just as important as working hard. Taking time off once in a while can actually help us to avoid burnout and maintain our focus and give us a renewed sense of passion and drive. Yes, go full speed for flow and take breaks to slow down. Now, I've mentioned three things that you can do to cultivate flow. This is by no means a comprehensive list. What I hope is that this gets you thinking more intentionally about your own life design. Now, you might be wondering, why is flow so important anyway? Why should you care? Well, let me ask another question back. Why wouldn't you want more focus in your life? Do you like being distracted? Do you like having a shorter attention span? One of the most obvious benefits of cultivating flow is increased productivity. 
when we are in a state of flow, we are able to tackle tasks with greater efficiency and effectiveness, which can help us get more done in less time. But flow isn't just about productivity. It can also help us feel more fulfilled, present, and engaged in our lives. When we're doing something that we find meaningful and enjoyable, we're more likely to experience a sense of purpose and satisfaction. In turn, it can actually boost our creativity. When we're in a state of flow, we're able to access parts of our brain that might not be as active during more mundane tasks. This can lead to new insights, ideas, and innovations that we might not have discovered otherwise. The state of flow is the most optimal state that you can be in. So when you learn to tap into this, you are tapping into the best version of yourself. Now, before we wrap up, I do want to be cognizant of the challenges that can get in the way of experiencing and developing flow. We talked about this one earlier, and I want to mention it again here. In our fast-paced, technology-driven world, it's easy to get pulled away from our goals by email notifications, social media, and other distractions. I said it earlier, our mind is already, by default, distracted. And out here, there are just as much, if not more, noise. The other challenge is the emotional and psychological attachment to fear. Sometimes we might hesitate to take on new challenges or pursue activities that we find challenging because we're afraid, fear of failure, or not being good enough. This whole host of negative self-talk that shows up in this narrative that we might hold on to. This fear can prevent us from experiencing flow and can hold us back from achieving our full potential. Achieving flow does not have to be difficult. It's a simple practice. Be patient. Be persistent and be willing to push yourself outside of your comfort zone a little bit every time. So let me end this session by saying that we live in an age of overabundance of information. So ignorance is now a choice. We all have limitless opportunities to keep growing and learning and becoming better. There will be times when we struggle to find flow or when we feel frustrated by the challenges we're facing. When that happens, Shift your attention and focus back on the here and now and savor the moments. Flow is essentially a mindfulness practice. And with all mindfulness practice, when you veer off your path and your mind goes astray, acknowledge it and refocus back to the present. With persistence and dedication, you can cultivate the state of flow in your life and reap the many benefits that comes with it especially in savoring meaningful and important tasks and activities and projects in your life. So embrace the journey and the process. It's about practice, not perfection. You have a lifetime to master this. So be patient, yet persistent. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to us and stay connected. And until next time, you guys, know that I'm rooting for you. So keep striving, keep learning, and keep growing. Never ever give up. Thanks for tuning in to Mind Manners with Albert Nguyen. We hope you found value in this episode. If you'd like to work with Albert one-on-one, visit OptiMindCounseling.com to learn more about his private practice. Looking to join a community of like-minded individuals? Search Mind Manners Podcast Community on Facebook and join our group to connect with others on their wellness journeys. Finally, if you haven't already done so, please write us a five-star review on Apple Podcast and let us know you're enjoying the show. 